right. Welcome to the Oklahoma Drill. Um, this is Alex, and we're joined by Nathan. Uh, no Ryan or Sam on the pod, meaning that you're going to get to deal with my clunky, clunky intros and outros, so congratulations. Um, so, Nathan, there's been a couple football games since we've really talked about OU football. Um, how it has. How has these past three weeks gone for you? Uh, I feel like I haven't watched OU play in three weeks. Uh, the last two games, I've, I'm trying to forget them. Um, it's been a it's been a rough couple weeks, few weeks, but uh, well, we'll get we'll get it we'll get into the meat of it. But it's been very confusing. But um, <laughs> they're eight and one. Obviously, the loss was a heartbreaker. But I would say yesterday's game was more perplexing and just kind of mystifying than anything else so yeah yeah so i guess let's start with i mean my kind of reaction to the the kansas state game because we never really talked about it all that much and i for one spent a solid two weeks trying to pretend that football didn't exist I kind of immersed myself <laughs> yeah. in pretty much everything but football. And it was just, I, I can't remember ever feeling as disappointed at a football yeah, team no. as I did after that first, after that game. Um, and that, so that was a really kind of a hard thing to handle. So I just, I tried to avoid it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And yesterday was different in in a way, it kind of made me feel better about the game against Kansas State because I'm like, well, I mean, the reason why I was so disappointed with them is because I thought they were an elite team that played horrendously. But now I'm sure, kind of like, yeah. I'm not sure uh, they're actually there's, an elite There's some major flaws here kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah and... You know, obviously the the defense has shown some regression in the last two games. Mm-hmm. There's some things going on with Jalen Hurts that we'll, that we'll discuss later. Um, but yeah, to me that that game yesterday kind of made the Kansas State game easier to handle. Um, mm-hmm. But it, at the same yeah. time, I'm still really disappointed. So the thing with Iowa State, like I don't remember. I know at least one of my friends that's not on this show, but that I, I predicted kind of like a – I thought the game was going to be close. I think I, I think I either sent 42-35 or 42-31, something reasonably in that ballpark. So I, I didn't think we were going to blow them out. I kept seeing, you know, three, four touchdown margin victories, like predictions, and I just didn't see that, see that coming. I didn't have that much faith because Iowa State's played us tough the last three years. They beat us once. I just didn't see that. But it was more yesterday. The The first half was better than I expected from a, mar- a margin standpoint. But the second half, is it was more the way that it happened. The And obviously, they came all the way back, which is terrible. But it was like the wheels were falling off. And that's kind of how it felt. And it was... It was very reminiscent to me of, and obviously the foe was, you know, the opponent was completely different, but just 
at a certain point, it was like I was almost kind of laughing at it. Like the first quarter against Alabama last year in the, in the Orange Bowl, just kind of from the absurdity of the mistakes that were being made. And, you know, it was, <laughs> it just looked like a team that didn't know up from down and they did, they're kind of directionless. Um, but, you know, kudos to Iowa State because, I mean, I think they're a decent team. Um, Matt Campbell's a good coach, but God, it was, it was hard to watch and it was frustrating in the moment, but looking back on it, you know, they definitely feels like they, you know, stole one, but at the same time, it's like there were no adjustments made. And I don't know, I'm kind of getting off on a tangent because it's just, I'm still kind of confused by it. It kind of goes back to what I said at the very beginning. It's just kind of a mystifying sort of thing. But like you said, the game against Kansas state, it kind of balances out that out a little bit more because I do think there are some major flaws that have been kind of exposed these last two games. And um, I think teams have kind of picked up on some tendencies and are exploiting it. Um, and we just have, OU just doesn't either doesn't have the depth, doesn't have the, um, doesn't have the, you know, the experience, however, whatever to counteract it. And it's, you know, they're getting, like I said, they're getting exposed a little bit. Yeah, so I agree, and that's where a lot of my kind of, I guess, acceptance has come from the last couple yeah. games because, yeah. you know, like after K-State, like I didn't know whether or not to think like, yeah, we're an elite team that played horrible or we are a mm-hmm. team with all of these deficiencies that we're not going to be able to really fix. And yeah. Then I kind of I go back, and that's very disappointing. But I go back and think about like coming into the year. I don't think any of the deficiencies that we're having right now are is anything that would have surprised us. No, absolutely yeah. not. Um, I mean, this team prior to the season, prior to the first six weeks or however many of the year, this is kind of what I thought this team was going to be. It's just uh, we were kind of. Um, tricked um, I don't it's hard it's kind of a harsh word to use but we were led to believe that oh we're actually better than that the first half of the season and now as we've as the team has regressed or come back down to maybe that preseason level of expectations it feels like a disappointment instead of more of a validation of oh this is what I expected a top 60 defense and a quarterback that's not a, an efficient, like the most natural fit for the offense and it's an offensive line that's still trying to figure things out with a whole bunch of new starters and all that type of stuff. This all makes sense from a preseason perspective, but in the moment it feels like a um, disappointment because it's not what we thought we were post-Texas. Right, exactly. I mean, I, I spent, there were multiple weeks this year where I, I left our game thinking, we might be the best team in the country this year. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like I, I remember obviously the Texas game, that was like a, a thought that I had. And, and especially even after the West Virginia game where we just mm-hmm. were pretty dominant, I was like, yeah, we, we might be the best team in the country. And yeah. once we start playing these teams, we're really going to show that, but that's just not really what it looks like at this point. And I kind of, yeah. I want to get, let's get into the defense because I have, I have three kind of thoughts that I want to kind of put out there about it. And, okay. you know, we've kind of already alluded to one of them. But 
Um, my first thought is that this defense is not it. We're I think we're just gonna have to settle on them. They're meeting expectations, and that is like what we talked about: top fifty, top sixty to start the year, mm-hmm. and. Rather than it being slow to start the year and getting better, it's kind of we were just elite at the beginning of the year, and now it's kind of coming back down to earth. Yep. And, you know, that is, you know, obviously, I think you'd kind of like to have that flipped, especially if you consider the schedules mm-hmm. of, of how things have worked. But I think in reality, like, it's a results-oriented business, and the final result is probably going to be about what we expected. It maybe even a little bit better than what mm-hmm. we expected. So I think in the end, you have to look at this as a win, even though it feels awful watching oh, yeah. Iowa State score 20 in the fourth quarter and come back. But at the same time, there were several possessions in that game that OU got stops that were much needed that they would yeah. not have gotten last year. Like I there was a, a couple possessions in the first half that I was like, man, if we don't stop him here, we're in, we're in a dogfight. And we got the stop. And then in the fourth quarter, we got, I mean, obviously the stop on the two-point conversion, but we got another stop in the fourth. And one thing I'll say, too, even on the possessions we didn't get stops, we were putting a fair amount of resistance out there. They had that one drive where it was four plays, 80 yards, the Sean Shaw mm-hmm. touchdown. but that last touchdown they scored was really, really hard for them, you know, and that um, that's not something that I'm, I could say that I'm used to seeing from an OU defense. So in the end, I think we're, we're going to have to just accept the fact that they pretty much are who we thought they were and they are kind of doing what <laughs> we wanted them to do. Sure. Um, and so my second thought is, you know, kind of why has the defense – Why did it start so good and why is it looking bad now? Um, And I think, you know, it's fairly simple um, on one side that there's just a lot more information about how to beat this defense out there now than there was at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the year. You know, like there were, I mean, before that K-State game, there were seven games worth of information to identify how do we attack this defense and what do we not want to do against this defense? What are they really good at? Mm-hmm. And Kansas state specifically, even I think more than Iowa state, I felt like they were just a step ahead of us schematically all day. And yeah. like we would make an adjustment and they would know exactly what that adjustment would leave open mm-hmm. for them. And so they were able to attack what our adjustments were just as effectively as like the initial game plan. Um, and I think that's fairly simple. Like we're facing really good coaches, Matt Campbell, Chris Kleiman are really good football coaches. Like when you, you think about playing Texas, Tom Herman and Tim Beck, not schematic geniuses. I don't think anybody's going to argue that ever. (laughs) No, Ohio state fans are excited whenever Tim Beck went to join Texas. (laughs) So, right. Exactly. Definitely not offensive geniuses down there at Texas. Um, and then the third thing is a little more. I, it's it's more of like kind of a guess for me, um, but I think that there is a mental aspect of this defense not being able to force turnovers that mm-hmm. is like causing them to like really be down on themselves. And I don't know. I mean, this could be totally off, but it just seems like 
as the games keep going and we keep not forcing turnovers, they get more and more confused as to why they're not happening. And that's causing them to overthink things. And they're just not playing as fast and aggressively as they did to start the season when, you know, there were some turnovers coming at the beginning of the year. And then like Texas, obviously you're going to be fired up to play them. And we were in the backfield all day. So it's like kind of easy to be excited about that. But as things have kind of slowed down, teams have made adjustments to that. And the turnovers haven't come. Like it is statistically unlikely for it to have gone as long as it has without us forcing a turnover. Yeah. Like bad teams, it's been over a month. Yeah. Bad teams look into them. I mean, it, it's, it's, it, it kind of defies reason at this point. And, it, and yeah. when they do get the chance, they blow it. It's, Every it's kind time. of impressive. Yeah, it is. And like, I mean, I was legitimately at the end of that game, like in the fourth quarter, I was laughing like that one where, uh, Pat Fields, the guy was right there. Pat Fields was in perfect mm-hmm. position. And of course the I it almost looked like Pat Fields knocked the ball into the Iowa State receiver's yeah. hands. Like I just started laughing. I was like, mm-hmm. any other team probably picks that, you know? Yeah, and it should have been picked. Give up I, the catch. Yeah. yeah. And it's just it's unbelievable at this point that that's what's happening. And I think it's having it's taking a real toll on the defense. And yeah, like so just the mentality. Right. And so that might be easily fixable. Maybe like you get lucky early against Baylor and you get a turnover and it can totally turn things around. I don't know. So, okay. So my thoughts on your thoughts Um, related to the turnovers. I don't know if it's so much the turnovers. I think that's a part of it. I think, I mean, I think there, I think it's more complex than simply not getting turnovers, but I certainly think that's a part of it because they're beginning to question what they're doing and why they're doing it because the results are no longer showing up. And that's a part of now they're starting to play outside of the scheme. They're not trusting things. Um, I I think that's a part of it. The other part is I think there's PTSD, not just from a span standpoint, but from a player standpoint. And as soon as they start giving up a long scoring drive, they start to think of, uh, Oh no, here we go again, kind of thing. And so the, that also get, has them playing out of scheme. They're trying to make plays happen, and by doing so, they're running outside of contain. They're not, you know, they're missing tackles because they're trying to blow someone up instead of securing the tackle. Just that kind of stuff. So, I think there, I think there's a lot going on there, and I won't pretend to know all the minutia of why things may be happening, but it certainly seems like the mentality has taken a hit the past couple weeks. Um, from what we saw at the beginning of uh, the season. And then to go off your second point, why are things slipping this, you know, compared to the beginning of the year? I think the easiest answer is they're playing better teams. Uh, I mean, UCLA was awful. West Virginia, not good. Um, Texas Tech, backup quarterback. Now they're playing Kansas State, which is a fairly solid team. Iowa State, another decent team. Baylor next week, we'll see how that goes. But I think they're starting to play better teams that have more tape, like you mentioned. They know how they can, you know, they have a whole half a season of uh, tendencies to go off of. And we've heard all year, you know, this is a, air quotes, simpler defense for the players. Well, a simpler defense means it's easier to understand from an opposing coaching you know, uh, point of view as well, You one would think. So you would think it'd make it easier to read and 
you know, react to uh, what they're showing. I don't know. That's just my kind of preliminary guess. But um, that, so that's a, you know, a big part of it, I think. There's also depth issues. We don't have much depth. And then, so we, are, we have, let's call them generously average players in the secondary. And now there's only a few of them back there. We have no backup safeties of any note. Our corners, we have three of them, and one of them was, it seems like each game, one of them gets knocked out for a duration. It's just, our linebackers go stretches of the game where I don't even notice they're there. Our, Our outside linebacker, I don't, I'm still not sure how much I'm willing to give credence to the thought that John Michael Terry is a integral part of this defense, but the run defense on the outside has slipped noticeably since he got hurt. So there might be a little bit to that. I don't know. There's a lot to unpack because it's such a dramatic difference between, you know, um, the Texas and pre and before that, and then Kansas state and after. So it's, it's, it's almost jarring, but, um, yeah, yeah, I think that is what it is. It's it's kind of jarring because it's two completely different things. It's almost like we've gone back a year. But to go to your very first point, this is what we expected. I I no one with any I would say that no OU fan with much um reason actually expected a top 30 defense pre- before the season this year. I think most of us were crossing our fingers for 60. So if we wind up around 60, which I don't know where we are anymore, but presuming that happens, that means they're on schedule. And if you look at how um, Grinch's defense at Washington State progressed, it was something like the year before he got there, they were in the 100s. In the first season, they were in the 80s. And then they had the big jump. So if you're looking at that and you're correlating – OU's still right on track. I mean, this isn't something that overnight was going to get fixed. There are too many glaring holes on this defense to expect that. What we, if, what would make me concerned is if this time next year, we are still seeing these issues. We are still seeing these problems. Now, something that just came to me as I was talking um, about this current defense I, what I've noticed the last couple of weeks, and it might just be because they've been playing teams that have a bunch of tight ends, and so it's maybe a little bit different than most of the other teams that they play, but I've been noticing a lot of confusion in, pre, in pre-snap alignment. Uh, and I'm wondering, you know, how much that plays into things also. They don't, that might go into the confusion, not being as confident in the calls as they used to be. I don't know. I didn't play football at an extremely high level, but you know, that that could also be a potential problem of they're just not as comfortable with what they're seeing. Kansas State especially because, I mean, that's just a curveball compared to all the other teams that they line up against uh, throughout the year. So um, that's kind of my thoughts. Um, it, it's a, I'm, I'll be really curious to see how they play against Baylor um, because Baylor the last few weeks hasn't exactly been an offensive juggernaut. But they're certainly good enough, and they had the wide receiver talent to burn OU, and I would expect it to happen um, at least a couple times. I mean, we've seen what uh, their big wide receiver, whose name escapes me off 
offhand. Mims has done. Mims. Yeah, Mims, Denzel, yeah, Mims has done the last couple of years, especially two years ago, the last time they were in Waco. So um, they don't have Zach Smith this time, so maybe maybe things will go a little bit better. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to – I haven't really even tried to think about the Baylor game much. I mean, obviously, there's concern going in. Um, but – Yeah. Baylor – yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just kind of on the, on the team as a whole, I mean, we're, we're definitely going to find out a lot about them because, I mean, yeah. they could be still the elite team that we saw for a while and with a – couple blips like it's not impossible that that's the case i no, don't think I, that that's the most likely well, outcome mm-hmm. and I here's the they thing. probably oh yeah I, I was just going to say here's the thing like the last two years we've ta- we're talking about you know oh uh, these last i don't know if the, this team is up to snuff with these last two playoff teams the last two playoff teams at ou were in these types of games almost every week like there are a ton of games that came down to the wire the last two years. So it's not yeah. that surprising. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost the big blowouts were, uh, were more of a rarity. I mean, think about the last time you played K, K, or Kansas State in Manhattan. That came down to Roddy Anderson's last-minute touchdown. The last time, last year against Iowa State, that game was you know pretty close, and that was against Zed Noland. So, I mean, this... Well, what you hope to see is the same thing that's happened the last few years at OU is that in the month of November, they kind of hit another gear. Now, they're not off to a great start, but it's the first week of November. So hopefully you see them, you know, see that, take that progression and kind of understand, you know, kind of uh, take those next steps. What I'm a little concerned about, and maybe we'll get into this soon, is I'm not sure what the identity is on offense right now. I, they seem to be a little bit um, – they, they're not running it well whenever they need to run. Um, downfield passing is – well, outside of CD, which he's been amazing, but out, ex, out you know, fumble uh, excluded. But the wide receiver, you know, deep threat – it's not as consistent as it's been the last couple of years. It's just the offense doesn't feel quite like it understands, you know, what it's trying to do at this time. Now, I say that they've scored 40 the last two last two games that we're complaining about here. So, um, yeah, OU's bad offense is still everyone else is really good. So it's just, you know, it's all relative is what I'm trying to say. So one of the big problems with the offense has mm-hmm. you know it's not necessarily production it's been the mistakes yeah and that's, that's true. one of the that's been one of the hallmarks of the last two years is that they just anytime we needed them to go score they did yeah that's um, a great point and they didn't they did their best to not put a putrid defense in a bad position <laughs> and they have the last two games done their best and well and special teams as well because we fumbled a kickoff yeah, They've done a true. really nice job of putting a defense that's already having some confidence issues in horrible positions. I saw, yeah. like, they've turned it over four times inside the 35-yard line of yeah, their own 35 well. in the last two games. And an if you're not – yeah, but if you're not able to counteract that with turnovers of your own, like, shit, <laughs> it's really hard to win football games that way. Yeah, that's an amazing stat. Like, 
I I don't know if there I, don't, I can't imagine there are too many stretches that that happens um, four times in your own thirty five. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, they're not. That's a great. That's a great point. Jalen is being for as cautious as he is. He's being careless with the football. <laughs> um, yeah. And then other players, like you said, special teams fumble. Uh, C.D. Lamb, who's you know probably OU's best. Actually, not probably. He is OU's best player. You know, crucial fumble. Um, there's just these kind of weird, wonky situations that they kind of keep putting themselves in, and it's 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 just devastating. It, it like you said, they're putting the defense in awful situations. And they can't expect to um, beat decent to good teams um, consistently when they do that. I mean, it's 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 kind of uh, it's hard to understand it. But you know, it's not like they're trying to do that. But with Jalen, it, it's more like he's trying to do too much. He's trying to make a big play, and by mm-hmm. in doing so, he just you know does something that cripples the team. Um, it's yeah. mystifying, but so anyway, I I have a few thoughts on Jalen. Um, okay, and I mean obviously he is not as good as the quarterbacks that we've had, and no. that's not. How I mean, and he he is good, but he's not. He's yeah, he's not yeah, Kyler he is, or Baker. He is really good, but you know I think with him, same thing with him is that teams are starting to figure out how we're using mm-hmm. him. And they're yep. able to kind of take away the first option, you know, like yeah, they're able I to was... take away that. And Jalen is not the kind of guy that really processes the defense super quickly. And no. if you're able to kind of take away the first thing, he's not a guy that's going to think on his feet really quickly and get to the second and third option. Yeah. Right. Um, if and his first option isn't think... there, he wants to run. So Exactly. And they're also they're doing a good job of making like limiting the damage he can do running. Like so, yeah. I always you know, did a really a lot good of job times, of that. Yeah, a lot of times, running is the first option, even if it's a called pass play. Like he'll look at a mm-hmm. guy, but like I kind of feel like sometimes he's like, dude, if this guy's not wide open, I'm going. You know? Yeah, he and he's just yeah, he's very talented, but he's just a he's not the ideal fit from a just way he wants to play. Now he no. is very effective, but um, it's just, I was telling the, you know, full disclosure, I watched this game with my mom last night. I was, t- <laughs> I was telling her, you know, it's kind of like they're, they're, they're still scoring about as much each, each game, but it's a much uglier version of scoring. <laughs> it's yeah. They're frequently in second and 14, and then they have to go play there. They put themselves in terrible situations so often, but they're explosive enough to get themselves out of it that they don't seem to learn their lesson. Um, and it's just yeah. a very frustrating watch. Well, and I think, I mean, the offensive line has a lot to do with that as well. I mean, they're That's not, point, the offensive yeah. line's not as good as it's been. So mm-hmm. we're running the ball on first down and losing four yards. And that's yep. putting us in weird positions. You know, I mean, in the second half, like, I think Iowa State kind of figured out, like, I don't know about you, but one thing I noticed about that last night is that Iowa State did not approach us defensively at all like they ever have before. It yeah. was a much, much more aggressive version. Like, they knew that 
they had to like bring the fight to us and attack because the last couple of years it's been like drop eight and mm-hmm. wait for us to kind of make mistakes and it's kind of happened um and yeah i think they year, probably saw the offensive line was a little bit more right for uh for penetration this year and so they just decided to go for it probably but um yeah well and i think also that like jalen under pressure again it's like what we said he's not gonna go through his progressions yeah. he's gonna get out there and run and, and he guys like kyler and baker you could pressure them all you wanted but they were probably going to make the first guy miss. And then mm-hmm. if you're blitzing those guys, they're going to find where that blitz is coming from. I'm not sure that Jalen is able to quickly like figure out where that bl- yeah. where a blitz comes from because yeah. he's just not, he's not as talented as the guys that came before him. And he so also blitzing... doesn't. Yeah. I was just going to say, he also doesn't seem to be a big believer in the, in the uh, um, safety valve outlet. He doesn't, Ever he hardly ever dumps it off to a running back um, or or a tight end yeah. in that situation. He just seems to you know I'm going to run in this situation and try and juke somebody. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it, yeah, I mean last night I thought for positives if we want to talk about a positive, Kennedy Brooks had his best game of the season. C.D. Lamb is still incredible. Um, it's just. As a whole, they just don't seem to be clicking on all cylinders, especially in the second half where they were largely shut down. And a big part of that was the Iowa State just controlled the ball. But um, you, it, it's two straight games where the second half, or at least the third quarter, was just, you know, a cl- is a cluster. <laughs> to, to, and then the fourth quarter last night um, was when Iowa State made their big uh, – or a surge, but I'm trying, I mean, I'm struggling for a ton of positives because it does seem like this team is a little bit treading water, but if they go out and beat Baylor, I mean, that puts them at nine and one and all the best teams on the schedule are behind them. So, I mean, it, there's still hope, but as far as like playoff aspirations, I mean, I don't think it's ludicrous to say that this team would get walloped by LSU right now or, or, or Ohio state. Like those teams are clearly a cut above at this point. Um, and there's a lot of maturation and a lot of, uh, um, strides need to be made to be able to, you know, even think about being, you know, one of those four teams at the end of the year, because frankly, I mean, I think it's, I wouldn't even be that frustrated if they were, if they got picked over because I, I just going to say, yeah, yeah, I get it at this point. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously I would, I would definitely rather make the playoff than not make it. Um, just because if you do make it, there is a, there's, a there's chance, always a chance. You know? Yep. And yeah, there's always a chance. So uh, yeah, I, but I tend to agree. I do. I do think that I'm not so concerned about playoff mm-hmm. as I am. I just, win the big 12 and i want to get better as a team yeah so where that we can feel we can feel good about the season we had and go into mm-hmm. next year with sky high expectations yeah you know you don't want to, that i think you, will be super deserved yeah you don't want to lose your momentum um and kind of fizzle out toward the end of the year so hopefully what we see is you know they kind of you know from just a very general 
you know, perspective, consolidate and uh, move forward in one direction, you know, kind of as, as a group and, you know, take those steps, do the, no, have the November progression that we've seen the last few years under Lincoln and to an extent under Bob, you know, the, since 2015, really, um, and see them get better a week in and a week out and, you know, kind of fix some of these mistakes. One of the things that does concern me is, especially against Baylor, is offensive lines banged up. Um, if Adrian Ely's out, we're going to be probably starting R.J. Proctor. That doesn't make me feel great. Um, no. We don't know. You know, I, I, I think Trey Brown came back into the game, so I think my guess is that he'll be able to play. Um, Trey Sermon's out, but... I think between Brooks and let's be honest, they're not really using the second and third backs a whole lot. So I think that'll be okay. I think Ely's I, the biggest concern. Um, oh yeah. Go ahead. Ely's the biggest concern. I am concerned because Sermon is the best blocker of the bunch at running back. We've put him out there a lot to lead on those mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts runs and he's done a really nice job. Um, he hasn't touched the ball much, but yeah. I mean, he's doing what he's supposed to do. And I, he yeah, is yeah. a good blocking running back. So Kennedy's pretty good, but he just doesn't quite have the punch that Sermon does. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. But and like, I don't really want my best running back being a lead blocker. <laughs> being all a lead often. blocker, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Right now, yeah. I just kind of have uh, these uh, nightmare images in my head of you know R.J. Proctor and James Lynch, you know, going head to head, and I just don't see that as a as a positive outcome for Oklahoma. So <laughs> I'm yeah. hoping that Ely can, you know, rub some dirt on it and he'll come back. But I, you know, whenever you're 320 pounds or probably more, honestly, whatever he weighs and your knee gets hurt, you know, that's a, you know, that's, I don't, that's a, a tall, a tall ask to turn around in a week and be back. I would expect him to be, to miss some time, but um, I think if they can somehow push past, um, I mean, if they can get past Baylor, TCU, TCU is, is good defensively, it's, but they can't score. So, and well, unless they have the cure for the common offense of what might was last year's OU deep, it is possible that they score on OU. But, you know, just assuming it. You hope that they can't score against OU, or at least much more than 20. So you, you feel decent in that comparison. And then, you know, OSU to end the year, that could get a little dicey, especially because it's in Stillwater. But um, we we beat OSU every year, so it, it might be ugly, but they'll probably still win. Um, I mean, there's hope or optimism for closing out the year, but... Like you said, you just want to see them get better as they close out, as they as they yeah. march toward November, or excuse me, toward December. Um, yeah, I mean, and like ending the year in a Sugar Bowl is not—it's not a bad season. Like, no, and we probably talked, be a... we talked before the season. This was kind of our—I mean, I don't think any of us picked OU to make the playoff, right? Did you pick them to make the playoff? I did not. No, I had uh, Georgia, Ohio State, Bama, and Clemson. Yeah, so like, yeah, neither of us picked OU to make the playoff. I don't want to mention who my fourth team to make the playoff was. It's not important. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was 
It was Michigan. Um, that was a mistake. But so it'd be about what we thought. And if you can go in and win a Sugar Bowl, that's that's a lot to sell. Like, yeah, I mean, just look at it. A lot of it comes down to recruiting, and you want to be able to have that to sell. And we can sell improved defense. The defense is improved. And yeah. that, in a lot of ways, is what recruits really look for. They don't necessarily look for it to have to be perfect right now, but you have mm-hmm. to sell the idea that it can one day get to that elite level. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. if you get – I mean, let's look at it. This, I mean, if they have Kenneth Murray and uh, Neville Gallimore get drafted, that's a couple draft picks. You can say, hey, we're putting a couple guys in the league. Though neither of them – I mean, Kenneth Murray, he's an athletic freak, but he's too – he just disappears too much for me to think he's to honestly believe he's a first round pick. I I think athletically he is, but as a player, I just I just don't believe it enough. Is um, is Kenneth Murray playing himself into coming back for his senior year? I mean, I hope so, but at the same yeah, time, same. it's like, I mean, I can see I can you can make that argument honestly um, for basically every junior that is eligible this year. I mean, I think except CD. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't Yeah, he doesn't even qualify because he's, I just assume he's going. But anyone that actually has an honest decision, I think you can make an argument for. But that's that's beside the point. What, what I'm trying to say is, um, well, that, actually, now I lost my point. But, yeah, what? just look at the boost that Texas got from their Sugar Bowl victory. Um, if OU were to play Georgia or Florida or whoever in that or, in the Sugar Bowl, or yeah, in the Sugar Bowl, um, I mean that'd be a huge boost of momentum if they had a 10, an eleven win season and then a Sugar Bowl victory. Yeah, they didn't make the playoff, but that didn't. I mean, that's what Ohio State had last year. That's what Texas had last year, and they both have you know were kind of able to ride that momentum through the off season. Um, in Ohio, and in Ohio State's case, they're actually able to maintain it on the field, but. Um, I mean, like you said, recruits, they look for improvement. OU would be able to say, hey, we're still not great, but we improved like 40 spots. So, <laughs> I mean, that's a big jump. We have, we just put a couple guys in the league. Um, and, you know, playing time is a very real possibility for you. So there's a lot to sell. It's just you don't want to see them, like I said before, earlier, you just don't want to see them fizzle. Um, if they limp into the offseason and – They've slid all the way down to the hundreds again. I mean, that's you know worst case scenario because then you don't have any of those things to sell. So, I think I mean this is my. I mean, every week is important, but this week is more important because the game days there. We can debate about how much that actually matters, but you know, because yeah, there's the there's the perception that the eyes of the nation are on you. I don't know how much I believe that because, but to some extent, yeah, probably it is because it's undefeated versus a one loss team. But um, the game days there, you can, you can kind of shut up a lot of those critics if you go out and play well against Baylor. Um, but on the yeah, flip I mean, side, if Baylor, if Baylor goes in and hangs 40 on you, you know, that just invites all the talking heads to keep talking. Yeah. I mean, OU, like, if, they go in and beat Baylor by 14 points, then there's going to be a lot of talk. Like the last two weeks are an aberration. Like it, it's, right. things are going to be back on as yeah, well. If it's I'll a say. 45, 
31 deal or 28 deal, you know, mm-hmm. that's, you it's know, back that, on. yeah, right back in the driver's seat. You get all, all that momentum right back. Um, because again, I don't prescribe to the thought that, oh, oh, you almost lost to Iowa State. They're out of it because that's not what's happened the last few years. That hasn't mattered. They almost lost to Iowa State last year. They almost lost to OSU last year. It doesn't matter. It's are no. you 11-1 and do you win your conference championship at the end of the year? That's, yeah. that's, that's the extent of it. And then if, if in that scenario there is an 11-1 Alabama sitting out there or there is a 12-1 Oregon, well, then sometimes you just shit out of luck. But um, you've done everything that outside of losing to K-State that could be asked of you. So, um, I mean, the, there's – the cliche line of you just got to keep winning. Um, now, do style points matter? Yeah, absolutely. But the most important thing that matters is not losing. So anyway. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, it's, I, I've kind of been looking at Alabama's schedule and honestly, I don't really know. I mean, I know that they would get in over us. I'm not going to argue, but they don't really have a hill to stand on in terms of their yeah. resume. Well, they're, nothing. Yeah, they're, they're, they're living off of, you know, past achievements, which do I think Alabama, do I think if OU and Alabama were to play today that Alabama would win? Yes, I do. <laughs> but um, in that, you know, specific comparison side to side, it would just be, oh, Alabama's Alabama. So they get in because of that. It's not because of, you know, anything they've done this year per se. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, it is a real possibility that Alabama will only have one ranked win if Auburn comes. I mean, if if Auburn is, isn't is ranked, like, that's zero ranked wins for Alabama mm-hmm. this year. Like, that's, Do they that's play, a real thing. They play in Jordan-Hare this year, right? Yeah, it is, I think. Yeah, like that's not uh, impossible. They could lose that. I mean, it probably yeah. won't happen because Bo Nix is terrible. But they could lose that. <laughs> Auburn's good enough defensively to keep a minute. It's just mm-hmm. can Bo Nix not lose the game? You know, not have three picks and you know that sort of thing. Um, right. I mean, it, it it's probably like a twenty percent chance, but it's still a chance. Um, I don't think Auburn's that great this year, but I think their defense is really good. So maybe they just have a otherworldly defensive game and two is still kind of gimpy and you know they they could, they could slip up um but yeah I, as far as this OU team is concerned I, it's obviously a disheartening last couple of weeks uh, even on the defense really there isn't even that much of things like you know silver lining spots at least on offense you know like I said earlier Kennedy Brooks I think you know, we can defin- definitively say he's the guy at this point. Hopefully they continue to feed him the ball because he was, you know, outside of a few, you know, fourth quarter stuffs at the end, he was basically, you know, averaging like eight yards a pop last night. Um, it'll, I guess Grant Calcaterras just, he's just concussed for, for the rest of the year at this point. Do you think he's going to be playing anymore? Uh, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I guess you kind of have to consider him until he's ruled out officially, but 
Yeah, it doesn't yeah. look great right now. So, I when, mean, yeah, when you miss like, what is this, four games for a concussion? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that makes me think it could be a, if not a lifelong deal, at least a season long deal. Like they're being really careful with him. Um, so that, which would be unfortunate. Um, but I mean, that's part of football, especially nowadays. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else that you can think of that we need to touch on? It was kind of a boring weekend outside. Oh, well, Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota's undefeated. How about that? Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess the thing I want, I want to kind of talk about recruiting a little bit. Sure. Um, just interesting developments happening across the country that are kind of opening things up for OU. Um, it seemed like for the most of this recruiting cycle, it seemed like OU was not going to take a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it Which seems was dumb, like the, and I've always thought it was dumb. It was always the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like the tide might be turning a little bit. And honestly, it's not impossible to me that OU could have been waiting on Chad Morris to get fired. Like, I think that's <laughs> been something they thought would happen. I don't know. Be cold-blooded, but, but I, I like it if possible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, OU seems to be interested in taking a quarterback, and I think the most realistic option at this point is Son of now fired Arkansas head coach Chandler Morris. Mm-hmm. Um, what are what are our thought? What are your thoughts on Chandler Morris? How do you feel about him? I think Chandler Morris is a good player. Uh, I mean, I, don't, I can't give. I'm not going to give super in depth thoughts because, frankly, I haven't watched his highlights since like February, so I don't really remember super well what he looked like. I remember liking him. Um, I, I don't know. I think he could be like an Alan Bowman kind of guy, maybe a little a more athletic Alan Bowman. I don't know. That's that sounds dumb whenever I say it, but what I'm trying to say is I think he could be perfectly good. I would never actually expect him to play, but I think he is good for a, from a depth perspective. Um, I think it, the reason I said it's dumb to not take a quarterback this year is because you then you suddenly become extremely reliant on not having anyone transfer next year. So you really hope that Tanner Mordecai does not transfer. Um, if you take a quarterback this year, then you have an, you know, an actual scholarship backup if that happened. And then you have a natural bridge for Vandegrift in 2021. So it just makes sense to have a guy come in this year. Do I think Chandler Morris would ever play meaningful snaps at OU? Most likely not. I mean, I think he's talented enough to play most places, but He'd, he'd be sandwiched between five stars. Um, but I, I think as far as a fit goes, I think he's a pretty good fit. I, Highland Park throws the ball well. And he has, I mean, I think he he looks like someone that Lincoln Riley would want. He he throws a nice ball. He's accurate. He, does, he has all that, you know, kind of uh, prototypical Lincoln uh, QB traits. But... Um, just from a depth perspective, more than anything to me, I think is why it makes sense. And I wouldn't expect him to go to Arkansas. I mean, would you want to go to the school that fires your dad? I mean, no. I wouldn't yeah. expect him to honor that commitment. So I think it's completely on the table because outside of Arkansas, OU was probably the school he looked the most at. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it never made sense to not take a quarterback, and it never made sense. And the reason why is because – you can go get a quarterback if you're OU. Like, yeah. find a placeholder. Like, Tanner Mordecai was a placeholder 
And yep. they could have easily found somebody on that three-star Tanner Mordecai level. Yeah, it's probably going to be hard to go get a really highly touted guy when you have literally the number one quarterback but from two different classes surrounding that guy. Like, I get mm-hmm. that. But the idea of not even trying to go get a guy yeah. to fill a role, it was, it was not a smart decision. And Chandler Morris, here's what I'll say about him is if he ever plays at OU, he's going to get compared to Baker Mayfield endlessly. Um, He's an undersized guy that throws the ball well. Looks like he's really creative. Like, he can throw the run. He does some... See, I don't even remember the throwing on the run part, so forget my Alan Bowman comparison then, because he doesn't run hardly at all, so... Yeah, well, I mean... (laughs) He just—he's a pretty athletic kid. Like he—he he makes a lot of yeah. nice runs in his in his highlights, and um, he throws a good-looking pass. Like he doesn't look like he has like a super weak arm for a guy yeah. who's undersized. The like, arm is, yeah, the arm is what I remember the most. He—he he has a better arm than I think I was expecting because I think initially I just thought, oh, he's Chad Morris's son, so he's getting a little bit of a bump because of that. But then I think I was pleasantly surprised when I watched him. Um, I think he's, you know, a solid player that could play at 75% of schools in the country. Yeah. Well, and to me, the, I mean, if Lincoln Riley's interested in a guy enough to offer him, I'm going to be interested. Yeah, that's a great point. Lincoln, Lincoln Riley offered this kid before we even Bryce Young had announced his decision. So like Lincoln liked this kid for a long time, you know, like this is not the kind of guy that, like you said, it's just a coach's kid that, you know, he's getting a bump because of that. I think Lincoln's a big fan. And honestly, I, I would expect this to to make a run. It seems like that's the case. And, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, dude, like, it would make no sense not to come to OU. He's a kid from Dallas, like, or he's, he went to high school yeah. in Dallas at least. Like, come, come play at OU and, like, you know, you'll have a chance to compete for a job at least. Like, you'll have a chance to yeah. be right there. You'll have a year on Brock Vandegrift whenever it's his time. Um, you can back up Spencer Rattler for a couple years. Like, I think it's a really nice fit. <laughs> Come um, be our Julie Housley, basically. That's what we're saying. Yeah, but I, I do think that there's <laughs> there's something there. Like, if Chandler Morris turned into this, like, really good college quarterback that was just undersized but sure. had a great, like, he was basically I Baker mean, Mayfield. Like, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, it would not surprise me at all. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I mean, it happens pretty frequently. So, I mean, he he has the base tools that Lincoln looks for. It's just, I would be more, uh, I'd be more excited about it if he wasn't sandwiched between those two guys. But at the same time, like you said, you know, crazy things happen. So, I mean, he could be, he could end up being a multi-year starter. Would I be completely shocked? I would be pretty shocked, but I could at least, you know, I could kind of have seen it maybe coming. I don't know. It would be more about just being shocked about who he beat out. So. Yeah. And if shit, if he beats those guys out, yeah, we've got a really good quarterback on our hands. Yeah. I would, I would, that's, that's a great point. It would be a good uh, indicator of, you know, what he could potentially bring. Yeah. So yeah, let's I let's go all in on Chandler Morris. Um, and he that yet one more thing. He also has uh, many plays for a big program in the Dallas area, so it always it is helpful just from a recruiting perspective of uh, yeah. kind of a guy that people are familiar with, and you know, one of your 
uh, home bases for recruiting. So, yeah, there's guys at that school every year that go play Division One college mm-hmm. football. Like OU has a walk-on uh, receiver slot, uh, Finn Corwin, that played with them just mm-hmm. last year. Uh, there's Prince, the linebacker, Prince outside Dorba, linebacker, yeah. yeah, committed to Texas. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's always talent in the, at that school. So it's good to have uh, a relationship with that coach and with the players there. Yeah, absolutely. That's the school with the guy that always wears like the hat and the suit, right? If I'm remembering correctly, the coach. He always looks like he's straight uh, out of like a 40s. I have no idea. Tweet, tweet never the account if you know. I am pretty certain that's the case. Yeah. But anyway. Um, cool. Um, I think that's probably all I have had to say. Um, OU basketball has started up, and they're 2-0. And I actually yeah. like this team. I actively hated last year's team with a passion. <laughs> and I do I not have, hate yeah. this team. I haven't watched the second of them yet, but I thought, you know, if they hadn't played at the exact same time as the football game last night, I would have watched it. Um, I would have found a way to get Big Ten Network somewhere. But, um, I mean, I was excited to see that they beat Minnesota. I'd like to see a replay of it. Um, looking forward to watching them the next couple weeks. I think they're going to be playing some like Tuesday nights and stuff like that. So I think they play this Tuesday when it's at like 1030 or some really late tip. So probably won't watch that. But um, it is exciting. Uh, Bryce Thompson is deciding on Tuesday, I believe. So oh, yeah. it seems to be a coin flip. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that would be massive. So, like I think you put that kind of talent with this team we have now, and that's that's something. That's something yeah. that could could make waves. So. Um, what do you think right. of uh, just one one quick question? What do you think of the uh, was it Shane? I don't remember what his last name is. The guy that committed to OSU. Um, how would you compare him to Bryce Thompson? How about Cade Cunningham? Yeah, Cade. That's the name. Uh, so I know I know less about Cade Cunningham than I do Bryce Thompson, but okay. I think I've read like Cade Cunningham is a better NBA prospect. Because he's he's personally bigger, and I mm-hmm. think he projects as kind of like a big kind of point guard type player. Um, okay. But I think Bryce Thompson is definitely a better, like a more natural shooter and scorer. Okay. Um, like yeah, so Cade he might Cunningham be better is, in college, but Cade's maybe the better long term guy. Yeah, and I don't even know about that. Like I think Cade Cunningham is probably gonna be really freaking good. Like they, there's a reason OSU was willing to hire his brother to get him like he's he's going to be a top three in an NBA draft pick because he's a he's a guy that projects as like a number one playmaker on a team and great he's, fair enough he's he's six seven two fifteen and he plays point guard like yeah. that's an interesting skill set right there yeah. so Bryce Bryce Thompson I don't know to me it's like I I've always thought more TJ more of a shooting guard okay yeah I thought more CJ McCollum type ish Maybe okay. not quite the ball handler, but I really like him. Like I think he's definitely deserving of his five star rating. But um, so would it be more would, of like, he would be massive. Would he bump Reeves out of a out of his spot, or would they just do three guard? I don't. I don't want to turn this into a whole full fledged basketball discussion. I'm just trying to kind of picture how that would work. Yeah, based on what I've seen um, so far, I think Austin Reeves is really good. So mm-hmm. I think it would probably be a Harmon Reeves Bryce Thompson thing where they go three okay. guards, 
And like honestly, like from a talent standpoint, that's more talented than the three guards that took us to the final four by quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I know like Buddy Heald was amazing, but right. you know, just we're but talking the other two. talent yeah. and upside. Yeah. Yeah. And Harmon and Harmon and Thompson have, have big time talent. So I think that could be a pretty, pretty special um, group if we could pull them out. And then you'd still have the enemy coming off the bench who I really like. So yeah. And then you have um, the young guys like Hill and uh, yeah. I, I, really and all those like, guys. I really like the young guys on the basketball team. Like they're like Jalen Hill is a guy that I think is going to be, I don't think it's impossible for him to play in the NBA. Cool. Like I, there's been a lot of guys that you've had that you're like, yeah, he's fine, but there's no way he's ever going to be an NBA player. Like Spangler basically. Yeah. Spangler, even a guy like Isaiah cousins, like yeah. that dude was, he's like a D league player at best, you know? Gotcha. And like Brett, like, Jalen Hill could project as an NBA wing. I really like Victor Iwakor too. Like he's already showing mm-hmm. some shooting chops. Like if that guy shoots, he's going to be a really good college player that might play in the NBA. Cool. Well, yeah. looking forward to it, seeing how yeah. they how they grow. I think it's uh, one of those teams. At least my initial read is like just hoping they make the tournament. So um, hopefully they can. And you know, if they add someone like Thompson, you know. It's, Maybe they can get, you know, sweet 16 or deeper later or next year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. I think that's a good place to cut it off. Um, thank you, as always, for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. Um, please rate us and review us if you want. Five stars are good, just like in recruiting. Um, follow us on Twitter at underscore or at heard underscore happily at rw maxi um at not that sam davis nathan doesn't want you to follow him on twitter so don't worry about it um and yeah thanks